Well, it is good to see all of you this morning. Last week, we had the privilege of having Pastor Paul Kim from Woven Church here with us. He preached on Ephesians chapter 5, this idea of growing as people who are imitators of Christ. Woven Church is a church up in Bothell. It's a church that we are really looking forward to growing our relationship with. Um, Last week, Pastor Paul did such a wonderful job of talking about what it looks like to be an imitator of Christ. And the week before, I shared with you that growing up, I really wanted to imitate Ken Griffey Jr. I loved him as a baseball player. There was something compelling and attractive about the way that he played baseball. And I think that we all tend to look towards those people that, that live their life in a way that is compelling and that is attractive. And I think this is probably no more true than in the area of love. I think this is why love stories and fairy tales and romantic comedies abound. This is why Romeo and Juliet is such a powerful story. It's why we love Beauty and the Beast and the Phantom of the Opera. It's why Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan are so fantastic. And I think it's why, if I'm not mistaken, Hallmark can make dozens of movies about the same woman who is an advertising executive in New York who goes to rural Tennessee to visit her family during the holidays only to break down by the side of the road. But she is rescued by this strapping young Christmas tree farmer. And he he takes her off to her family's home, all the while her fiancé is wrapping up a significant business deal. But by the time he gets to her, she has fallen in love, and he has swept her off her feet, and she's just going to move to Tennessee to marry her, her plaid-clad Romeo to make Christmas tree wreaths and raise golden retriever puppies. <laughs> right? We love these stories. We love love. Love is such a foundational part of our lives, and we are drawn into beautiful examples of love. Right? We love beautiful examples of love. I think it's why we get so choked up when we watch servicemen and women come home to be reunited with their families. It's why stories of husbands and wives caring for their spouses during long battles with health issues touch our hearts. It's this type of sacrifice that speaks to a depth of love that we are all looking for. And today's passage is deeply rooted in a sacrificial love story. And it's a passage that encourages the replication and imitation of this type of love. There are challenges, though, as we go into this text. And so I want us to pray this morning before we even get there that the Lord would open our hearts up to receive whatever word it is that he wants to speak to us this morning, that the words that I share this morning are not my own, but they are the Lord's. Would you join me in prayer? Lord, we thank you so much for today. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth that is proclaimed in your word. I pray this morning that the words that I share are not mine, but yours, that your fingerprint would be all over this sermon. I pray that we would be open and receptive to receiving what your gospel truth is for us. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Today's text is challenging for a number of reasons. And before we get into the text, I want to address just briefly a few of what these challenges are. First, we live in a society where verses like those that we are going to unpack today are often taken and used as justification for abuse and degradation. We just need to get that out of the way. 
the text that we are going to look at today can be, has been, and probably will continue to be, unfortunately, used for abuse and degradation. Second, we come to this text with culturally defined roles rather than Christ-defined roles, as Eugene Peterson puts it. And so as a result, we enter into this study this morning with perhaps differing views on the roles of men and women, particularly within the context of marriage. And third, we live in a very individualistic society where the idea of laying down my rights and my freedoms and my opportunities for the sake of another person is often rejected. But our text today speaks to a better way, a Christ-defined way, a sacrificial way that is deeply rooted in the ultimate love story and a way that will lead to the experience of true, deep love and in doing so testify to the ultimate love. It's a way that is in keeping with the theme of our unity within the body of Christ as we have been exploring for several weeks now. And so I invite you, to turn with me this morning to Ephesians chapter 5, verses 21 through 33. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does in the church. Because we are members of his body, Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you, each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. The word of the Lord. We are going to spend a lot of time reading scripture this morning, so I encourage you to have your Bibles available if you would like to follow along. Now, in order to begin examining this text, I think it's important that we actually go back to what Pastor Paul shared with us last week. He spoke from Pat, he started in verse 15 and went through verse 21. And so I want to go back there just to provide a bit of context. It says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is and do not get drunk with wine for that is debauchery. This is where it gets really important for today. But be filled with the Spirit. Paul lays out this one way, and then he says, but be filled with the Spirit because there is a better way for you to go. He says, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. That is where we begin today, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Paul gives this warning. He says, don't live this way, but live this way. He says, there's an alternative to the way that you have been living, and it starts by being filled with the Holy Spirit. 
We've talked a lot about being filled with the Holy Spirit this summer, and we have because being filled with the Holy Spirit is this catalyst for this new way of living. It starts by being filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit empowers us to live in ways that we would not choose to, nor could we live under our own power. Worship, thanksgiving, and as we read in verse 21, submission to one another out of reverence for Christ. Paul says that submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ is something that should take place if you are, in fact, filled with the Spirit. A couple important things to look at here. First, the Greek word that that is used here is kind of this military term that speaks to this idea of rank order, meaning that if I submit to someone, I am putting them ahead of myself, and I am assuming a lower rank. I am subordinating myself to them. But secondly, and this is what is so, I I think, essential for our passage understanding of our passage today. We are called to submit ourselves to one another, but we do this by the power of the Holy Spirit and we do it on our own accord. There's a significant difference between choosing to submit yourself to someone and having someone submit you to their will, right? There's a radical difference between saying, I am going to choose to submit myself to put myself in this position under you, if you will, rather than saying, I am going to submit you to my will and to this position. There is a very, very different sort of uh, relational dynamic. And scripture speaks to this idea of humbly submitting ourselves to other people. We see this in Philippians chapter two, Philippians two, one through four. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Here we go. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. This is mutual submission. It's also important to understand that we do this out of reverence or fear for God. The idea of fearing God is kind of this this concept, this idea that we sometimes don't necessarily understand, but it means to have this awesome understanding of God's power and his majesty and who he is. That is what we mean by having a fear of God. So when we look at verse 22, Paul begins to explain what this idea of mutual submission is is to look like in a marriage for those filled with the Spirit. And it says, Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. This is where we get into the text that has been abused. But let's really look at what Paul is saying here. Paul is encouraging wives to make a choice in the spirit to submit to their husbands as an act of reverence to the Lord. Paul is not saying that a woman's husband is the Lord. Paul is saying that this act of reverence in submission to their husband is an act of worship and reverence to God. This is a beautiful act of worship to God. And the question comes up then, well, what does that practically look like? guess what? The Bible doesn't give us a checklist. But this is a principle that God lays out for marriage 
the practical application of this might very well have some degree of variation. Marriage A might look a little bit different than marriage B. Submission, though, doesn't mean this. Submission doesn't mean that there shouldn't be thoughtful conversations between husband and wife about issues. It doesn't mean that women shouldn't make choices in their family. It doesn't mean that women shouldn't be spiritual leaders in their homes. It doesn't mean that they shouldn't have jobs. But what this passage does point to is the Spirit providing us with a willingness and an ability to put the other person first. Why? Because of God's purpose for marriage. For much of human history, marriage has been this transactional sort of thing. It's about wealth and status. It's a business arrangement or has been a business arrangement in many periods of time. For us today, it's much more about love and friendship, companionship and intimacy. But ultimately, the real purpose for marriage is the refining of his people and the demonstration or reflection of Christ's relationship with the church. It is to model his sacrifice for us in bringing redemption and renewal and restoration. It's because, as Tim Keller says, when God invented marriage, he already had the saving work of Jesus in mind. I love that. So we see this connection between Christ and the church and husband and wife. It's this metaphor, this this parallel As the church submits to Christ, wives are called to submit to their husbands. In Colossians, we see, and 1 Peter as well, we see other examples of these house codes. But it's within this context of putting on a new self. We've talked about that already. There's this option over here, this old way, and there's this option over here. Putting on our new self, we are encouraged to have this sort of sacrificial relationship. And as Paul says, it is a way to model and testify to Christ's incredible love for us. Verses 25 through 31. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish, And in the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Make no mistake about it. The submission and sacrifice that is being talked about here is for both wives and husbands. There is a mutual sacrifice that husbands and wives are being called to. In fact, husbands are called in the spirit to lay down their life for their wife, if need be. And in this act, we see Christ's love and sacrifice for the church. It is also in this mutual submission that fullness and vibrancy of marriage is experienced. When we see love talked about in the Bible, over and over and over again. It is consistently a sacrificial love because this type of love is the type of love that God extends to us. It is a deep, deep love. This is when love is at its its deepest and richest. Paul points to the sanctifying work that sets the church apart and calls husbands to love their wives in that way, honoring them, loving them, 
cherishing them, setting them apart. They are to love and care for and value them in the same way, the very same way that they love and care for and tend to their own flesh. 31 through 33. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. We're taking all the way back to Genesis chapter two. We see the creation account, Adam and Eve, and this establishment of marriage. We're reminded of this unified dynamic that God desires for men and women, for husbands and wives from the very, very beginning. It is an intimacy that is sacrificial in nature. It is an intimacy that leads to the uniting of a husband and a wife. And it is this union between husband and wife that is to mirror the union between Christ and his body, the church. Think about that. The relationship that Christ has with the church, God paints this this incredible, real-life, realistic picture in in the context of a marital relationship. Marriage, as God designed it, points to something bigger and better than marriage itself. The reality is a godly marriage is not so much about you or me as it is about God. Is the relationship between a husband and a wife important? Of course. Is the love of a husband and wife important? Certainly. But it is God's tool for refining us and shaping us to become more like Christ. And what Paul speaks to in this passage is God's desire for the relationship between a husband and a wife and the love that is shared between these two people to point to the ultimate bridegroom and bride, Jesus and his church. We are the bride of Christ. And as the bride of Christ, we submit our lives to Christ. As the bridegroom, as Jesus is referred to in John, he loves us sacrificially. What is it? It is a beautiful love story that we're looking at. What is it not? It is not a story of control. What it is is a story of humility and sacrifice. What it is not is a story of ego or dominance. Jesus did not come to oppress, but to bring life. If we look back at Philippians 2 again, verses 5 through 11, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. By taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. What if we didn't view marriage the way that the world views marriage? What if we could view and live into marriages like this? Marriages that serve to refine and shape us into people that are more like Christ. What if we could reclaim the real meaning of verse 22 from those that have distorted it 
It distorted its meaning and leveraged it for abuse. What if we could really love sacrificially? You see, this passage is not about husbands being superior to wives. It's not about men being more important than wives. Women of MVC, created in the image of the Almighty God, please hear this. You are valued, you are wise, you are discerning, you are gifted, you are essential to your families and this body, and you are loved. You play a vital role in God's creation. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, your lives are to testify to God's goodness and sacrificial love for humankind. Men of MVC, created in the image of the Almighty God, Please hear this. You are valued, and you are wise, and you are discerning, and you are gifted, and you are essential to your families and this body, and you too are loved. You play a vital role in God's creation, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, your lives are to testify to God's goodness and sacrificial love for humankind. Wives, submitting to your husbands is an act of worship and service to the God who created you. Husbands, sacrificially loving your wife, even to the point of laying down your life for her, is an act of worship and service to God. The ins and outs of how this practically plays itself out in your marriage are up for your prayerful consideration. No two marriages are the same. But I want to leave you with a few thoughts. First, mutual submission on the part of both the husband and wife means seeking to put the other person first. At its most foundational, basic level, choosing to submit myself to my wife means choosing to put her first. To put my wife first, to love my wife. That means putting her first. Wives, number two, submitting to your husband does not mean that you don't have a say. It does not mean that you should not make decisions. You are to be your husband's confidant and counselor, advisor, and in many, 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 many cases, the expert on countless topics. The inverse of this is true as husbands. You are to fill these roles for your wife. Number three, when at a true impasse, after thoughtful, prayerful, thorough conversation between spouses about significant issues, we're not talking about the color of bedding, okay? Significant issues. This is the time when a husband is called perhaps to make a decision. This should be a decision that is believed to be in the best interest of his wife and his family. These are decisions that should be made thoughtfully and prayerfully. They should honor God and include the counsel of his wife. And number four, this passage, please understand this. This passage is not justification for abuse, nor is it rationale for staying in an abusive situation. Abuse is not godly. Marriage is a wonderful and beautiful gift 
that should provide love and support, encouragement, intimacy, accountability, refinement of character, and many, many other wonderful blessings. But it is a gift that is to testify to Christ's beautiful and sacrificial love for the church. When husbands and wives mutually submit to one another, they are also submitting to the will of God. And it is for this reason that a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you this morning for the beautiful gift of marriage. And Lord, this morning we thank you for your example for us as to how marriages should look and function and operate. We thank you for demonstrating what sacrificial love looks like. Lord, for those who are married, those who will be married, Lord, I pray that we would be willing to submit to one another, that we would be willing to lay down our lives, that we would be willing to treat one another with a love that is sacrificial and beautiful, that puts the other one first. Lord, may our lives be holy, beautiful examples of your love for us. Lord, this morning I pray for those that have been wounded by the abuse and misinterpretation of this scripture, Lord. I pray for healing and restoration. I pray for marriages this morning that might be on the rocks. Lord, in in your name, I pray for healing and restoration of those marriages. Lord God, I pray that you would restore trust. I pray that you would deepen love. I pray that there would be great joy and friendship. Lord, we pray for renewed intimacy. All the things, Lord, that might be pulling relationships apart this morning, Lord, we pray that you would be at work in those circumstances. And help us to understand that putting our spouse first does not mean that we are not important. It doesn't mean that we don't, va- we don't matter, don't have value. What it means is that we want to demonstrate your love, your perfect love, as best as we possibly can in our finite existence here, Lord, to those that we care the very, very most about. Lord, we love you. We thank you for today. We thank you for your truth. We thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that this message would would hit us where we need to, to receive it, Lord, and I pray that this word would be your truth. If anything was spoken this morning, Lord, that is not from you, Lord, I pray that the ears of this congregation would be closed to that. We love you, we thank you for today, and we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.